Hello and welcome at the PAVE podcast, created for the professional working to end the violence against women and children. I'm Alianne, your host, and today I'm honored to announce that Dr. Shuji Kapoor is with us today to talk about her life and her work as a speaker for UN Women and as the founder of SAFETY. SAFETY is an organization that is all about educating and empowering women and girls against violence. You can find the show notes, links and references at professionalsagainstviolence.com. Let's get started. Welcome, Shruti. You were born and raised in India, but you now live in the U.S. Can you tell me a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Uh, thank you so much for having me here on the <laughs> podcast. I'm really excited for the opportunity. And uh, yes, I was born and raised in India uh, for the first 20 years of my life. I have lived there. Um, I was educated there. I come from a small town called Kanpur. And um, my uh, family... Um, is you know a very well educated family and and um, has always furthered my dreams and goals in whichever way I and and the way that I wanted to go and they have never held me back in it, in achieving them have always encouraged me. Um, I went to college in Bombay. I went to Sapphire College uh, in Bombay where I studied economics and right after that I moved to the U.S. for higher education. So I did a master's in economics. I started working for the World Bank and I got really interested in uh, development issues, um, especially, um, you know, on topics related to poverty and uh, rural electrification in India. And that's when I decided that I wanted to pursue a PhD in economics. And so I went back to school um, and joined the economics program at University of California, Riverside. Having graduated from there, I taught at Occidental College. I used to teach an undergrads economic, uh, which was an, uh, an interesting experience. And then we moved, my husband and I moved to New York City. It was then that, you know, that year that the horrific gang rape happened in India. And I was in a place in my career where I actively wanted to do something about women's safety. And I decided to uh, start safety, my organization. Uh, with the hope that I'm going to be able to educate and empower young women and girls to take a stand against gender-based violence and also equip and educate themselves on how they can keep themselves safe. So this is, we're three and a half years into safety. I live in New York. Our program, uh, self-defense programs are mostly done in India, but we have now a great team of volunteers, interns all over the world who help us with our mission and our goal at safety. Thank you for telling more about yourself and about safety. When did you found it, uh, safety? Because maybe you just mentioned that I, I didn't get quite get that. So. Yeah, so uh, in December of 2012, there was a horrific gang rape that happened in yes. New Delhi. Um, you know, uh, it was a very unfortunate case and... Um, a lot was talked about it and uh, it was right after that um, you know in 2000 early 2013 um, like a lot of people I too was personally shaken by this case and um, growing up I have experienced sexual harassment and sexual abuse myself and so in 2013 I really decided to no longer be silent about the issue of gender-based violence and I said uh, you know look I don't want to be that person who sits in her house, reads the news every day about rape and about violence and turn a blind eye to it. 
I want to actively do something in this space. And so uh, uh, in March of 2013 is when I decided to start working on safety full time. And that's where Safety Really was founded. Um, so we, I started on the idea. We started doing, um, we went, I went to India that year for uh, six weeks. We did a couple of workshops. Where we registered the organization in India. Um, and that's when Safety was really founded. I always love it when women find, find their passion. And well, they, you can see them glow. When they yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it, it, what I started off as, uh, you know, uh, something that I, I did not have a clear idea on what I wanted to do, but I knew that I I no longer wanted to be a silent bystander. I wanted to actively work in this space. And, uh, you know, by God's grace and uh, the support of everybody, I have been able to come this far. People have guided me in the right direction and things, opportunities have showed up. And uh, it's been a great journey. Uh, I would say uh, over the past three and a half years, it's just uh, been a fabulous journey. It's amazing when you find your voice and you actively try to help try others to. that all, all the things fall into place. That's so it's amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. um, how did you become involved with UN Women? So um, I am a part of the, the UN Women recently um, launched a youth network. It's called the Interagency Network, uh, Youth Network for um, Gender Equality. And I'm a part of that. And um, the goal of, uh, of this is to really give young people a voice, um, allow them to speak up and participate uh, in policy making and in decision making, in, in really bringing their voice and values to the forefront. So, which is something that um, the UN was not very good at doing. You know, uh, youth participation has been more of a term which is. Um, you know, it's, it was just done for the sake of doing and not really involving the youth actively. And so um, what started as, you know, 10 members of the interagency network, we are now more than 1,000 members of the interagency network. Um, and I work very closely um, with that part of uh, the UN women, the, the youth uh, part. And um, in fact, we are organizing the second, uh, have you heard of the CSW that happens every year in March? So in New York City, um, every year, uh, thousands of women come together for what is called Commission of Status of Women. And since last year, we have launched something called the uh, Youth um, the youth version of uh, the Commission of Status of Women. So um, this year, again in March, March 11th and 12th, we are organizing the Youth CSW 61. And uh, we have more than 1,500 youth all over the world registered for this event. We have youth uh, you know, coming from all over the world, and it will be a two-day event wherein we will be focusing on... Um, various themes related to young women's economic empowerment, you know, uh, women's safety, um, refugees, and violence against women. And this is an entirely youth-led initiative. Um, the, the organizing committee is made up of youth, uh, young people uh, like you and me and others. And we have been working on this tirelessly for the past few weeks now, all trying to put it together for the event in March. So, so I am in that capacity, a part of the interagency network at the UN Women. 
And is there a website uh, the listeners can go to to read more about it? Yes, I will uh, send you the Facebook page of the uh, the event that is coming up. And if you as a young person has not already registered, uh, most young people know about this and have already registered for the event. But if you are uh, still keen, the registration is closed. But, you know, if you send us an email, we can um, look into um, seeing if we can accommodate you. It's it's going to be a fabulous event and I am going to give you some more information which uh, which I think will help your listeners. So just yesterday, I'm leading an effort uh, for this same event called the online consultation. It's a four-week consultation which we have already launched on um, the UN Women's website wherein each week we are tackling a topic. So this week is Young Women's Leadership. And we have five questions on young women's leadership. If you would like to give your inputs, uh, please go to this website link that I will provide you with. We would love to hear from young people their inputs on how, you know, the policymakers and decision makers can better empower young women and make them better leaders. And, and your suggestions will be incorporated in the final report, which will be presented at the UCSW. I would love to get yeah. two cents. <laughs> <laughs> so I will I will provide you with the links, uh, you. which you can share. I will put them the in podcast. the show notes. So so that's that's uh, how I'm associated with the UN Women, and that's what we are currently working on. And um, are there any pressing issues at the moment that you face? Something that you're trying to tackle. I think like, you know, you work in this space, gender-based violence is, is a pressing issue, has always been a pressing, pressing issue. It's also a global issue. It's not something which is uh, exclusive to India or exclusive to Africa or, you know, specific countries. It, it persists everywhere. And one in three women in the world are affected by some form of violence. So whether you're harassed on the street or... Um, you are touched inappropriately when you're at home or you've experienced child sexual abuse. I think these are all very, very pressing issues. And um, when we as activists decide to work in this field, I, I think there are many challenges that we face. Uh, some of the challenges um, are in changing mindsets, simply changing mindsets of of people, um, right? Um, Gender-based violence stems from the notion that men are superior to women and that through power and uh, and through force, you can show that superiority. And that's, you know, one of the underlying factors of violence. And so, especially from the country I come from, which is very patriarchal in nature, just changing that attitude and that mindset that men and women are equal is a challenge. You know, think about it. Uh, start from your own house. You know, your parents, and I don't mean your, but in general, parents in India, you know, give more preference to the boy child over the girl child. You know, the girl is always taught to take care of the, uh, do learn the household chores, and the boy is always given the message, study hard and get a job. And, you know, you have to, you are the sole breadwinner of the family and you are the one who has to protect your sister. You know, so those are the kinds of messaging we are giving our boys and we are giving our girls. 
and so changing those those attitude changing that attitude changing that language changing those actions are are definitely uh, some of the challenges that we experienced in when we are educating women and girls about their personal safety you know when we are talking about the issue of gender equality how do you change an age old culture which people have been following for years how do you come into their lives and tell them that look this this practice that you are following is it serves nobody you know it's just an age old culture you need to get rid of it you need to challenge the gender stereotypes that you're experiencing so so that's you know one of the biggest challenges that we face and and we're constantly giving positive messaging talking about gender equality and and challenging gender stereotypes is there a way we can support uh, in changing the mindset and set of others? Yes, um, I mean safety is uh, run by the generosity of its volunteers and um, skilled people like you and others who who can uh, add value to our work uh, through your skills. So, for example, if you're good with art, if you're good with uh, designing things, if you're if you're good with writing, come join our team, volunteer for safety. Uh, so that we can find creative ways in putting that message out to the community. So there, you know, it's it's not just there's no one right or way of doing this, right? So I've seen some excellent um, writers. I've seen some excellent artists who come up very cre with creative messaging that we can give the community. Uh, that just by looking at a picture, it will make you think. Oh yeah, you know gender-based violence is wrong or gender inequality is wrong and and it will something will switch in their head so again if, if you are somebody who has even two hours in a week come volunteer with safety uh, you know we can use your skills we can use your passion to make a difference and we would love to have you and work with you uh, in whatever capacity um, that that you can offer um, I will um, put the information again in the show notes and I hope many sure. people will volunteer after this show. Yeah. Can you share um, a touching experience at your work? Is there something that happened that well changed the way you look at things or touched you in general? Sure. So I, I would like to go back to the first self-defense workshop that uh, safety organized and I was personally a part of. Um, this was in um, 2013. I had traveled all the way to a very, very remote city in south of India. So it was thousands and thousands of miles away. Um, it was a very nerve wracking experience for me because I had traveled all alone to, um, to an area which I had no idea about. Um, I didn't know, you know, it, we were going to an orphanage and we were going to do a two day self-defense workshop with a group of young women. And I had no idea who I was going to stay with and, um, you know, what kind of a setting environment it would be. It was, I remember it was extremely hot. It was the summer that was, you know, 100 degrees. And I had traveled from New York all the way to India, uh, was sitting in some uh, bus which was taking me uh, to a remote place in the South. And it was those 48 hours that I had spent with a group of 20 women. Um, who were not very well educated, uh, who came from very uh, marginalized, you know, community and backgrounds, 
uh, it was an extraordinary experience and I cannot even explain to you what it was. Uh, we, we spent 48 hours together um, learning about self-defense, talking about uh, topics related to women's safety, including marital rape. Um, and at, at one point during the workshop, uh, so one of, so it was a, an active workshop where the trainers would show us moves and then we would practice on each other. And it was a very small, intimate group. So we could all practice on each other and, and, you know, we got really close to each other. And there was one point when the trainer, when we were all supposed to break a, a brick with our uh, hand, you know, this part of our hand and everybody had to do it. There was no getting away from it. And the trainer said, you can do it. She convinced every single person, including me. So every, when you ask, when, when, if somebody comes and asks you, can you break a, uh, you know, with just your fist, can you break a brick? What is your answer? No. <laughs> of course, exactly. Of course not. I'm not going to be able to do it. And the technique she taught us, I cannot tell you, women who have never even slapped a person in one blow, like broke that brick. It took me three turns to break that brick because, not because I'm not physically strong, but, but because mentally I was stuck in my head because I had told myself that I'm not going to be able to break that brick. But I, I saw women who were petite, who were like otherwise not confident, break that brick in a blow. And I think that was a life-changing experience for me because it made me realize that in the moment, it is really your belief that matters. So if you believe that you can break this, or if you believe that I can win this race, or I can, you know, take down that perpetrator, uh, and, and nothing can come in your way, you know, nothing, it's not about the physical force, or your physical strength. It's about a lot of it is your mental attitude and and how you perceive it. Um, and I think that was, uh, that's something that really stuck on with me. And, um, and we, and I realized that more often than not, we are our biggest, um, not enemies, but we restrict ourselves because we often doubt our abilities and second guess our abilities and, and constantly tell ourselves, no, you're not good enough for this. No, you can't do this. You know, this, this, this thing that tape recorder in your head that is constantly telling you, you cannot do this needs to be shut off <laughs> and we need to change the messaging that we are giving ourselves. And that is very true for, for women's safety and girls' safety also. If you give yourself the positive, the right message, uh, more often than not, than not, you will be able to get out of a sticky situation. Absolutely. I could listen yeah. to you for hours, really. <laughs> Who are the women you look up to? Um, there is not one person, I would say. Um, so, and the reason I say that is because at Safety, we also run, uh, I do a series called People Extraordinaire. I started the series with women. Uh, and for a year, every month I interviewed uh, inspiring women. And then in the second year, we made it People Extraordinaire, where we started interviewing men and women. And thanks to the series I have met with and I have interviewed some extremely inspiring people uh, and from various walks of life. So they, don't, they, they were not only gender activists or people working in the space of you know, violence against women. There are people who are doing extraordinary work 
in their country and in their communities and and so and i and and many a times you know i would be blown away by by what they have accomplished and the challenges they have faced and despite the challenges their positive attitude and their will to succeed and keep going and so uh, there is really no one person that i'm inspired by there are there are people around me that inspire me through their work and through their commitment and through their passion and i draw from those people i draw inspiration from their and their work wow um, do you have a quote or a book that inspired you I, I do have a quote that I often, often go back to, and uh, it's one by Nelson Mandela, which says, um, it seems impossible until it's done. <laughs> so yes. every time, you know, um, I'm in a situation where I feel like I'm not going to be able to achieve this, um, I remind myself that it seems impossible. And I, I think that's what it is, right? It seems impossible until it's done. And, and then, you know, when you accomplish it and you're on the other side, you look back and you're like, that's right. That's exactly how you feel in, you know, when you, when you're ready to start something big and you always feel like, Oh my God, how am I going to do this? Yes. How, how I am going to, it's impossible to finish this. Yeah. yeah. So that's one quote I, I always go back to and often remind myself that it's only impossible till you don't finish it and you will be able to do it. So keep going. That's a, yeah. a beautiful quote to um, end the show because we already reached the end of the show. <laughs> thank you. I really want to thank you uh, for coming on to the show. It was really my honor. I really enjoyed listening to you. I could listen to you for hours. <laughs> Um, I could talk to you for hours too. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, I really loved it. Um, we, well, we will put the um, links and references in the show notes. And yeah. um, I encourage the listener to go to your website and go to the links and uh, help wherever they can. Thank so, you. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. You've been listening to the PAVE podcast, created by Liana Loyega for professionals working to end the violence against women and children. For more information about safety, the show notes, links and references, please visit professionalsagainstviolence.com slash blog.